Amen. I'll tell you, I know the, the video goes a little fast. Um, I, I hope you all caught it, and, and I'll, I'll just give a brief summary of it, especially for the recording here. But what happened was there was this tightrope walker, right, who said he, would, he came over to the United States and was going to walk across Niagara Falls. And, and he came and did this, and he kept going back and forth, and the crowd was going nuts. And, and so then he thought, well, I'll take it a step further, and he gets this wheelbarrow full of rocks. And he says, do you think I can take this across the tightrope, right? And they said, yeah, yeah, what it? and he did it. And he did it a couple times. So much so to where they're all marveling at what he's doing. Remember... Niagara Falls, I don't know if it, it, any of you have been to Niagara Falls. Alexa and I have been there. And it's not a place you want to fall in the water, especially above the falls. <laughs> okay, and this, and this man's walking this tightrope across the falls. Okay, now he's pushing a wheelbarrow full of rocks across. And he does it back and forth, back and forth. Did it so much to where, and by the way, this is a true story. Okay. He did it so much to where the people believed he could just keep doing it. They believed that no matter what, he could do it because he already proved it, right? Okay, so then he said, how many of you believe that I could put you in the wheelbarrow and push across? And they're, oh, yeah, yeah. They just saw him do it with these rocks, right? They already saw the evidence of what he did. So what did he do? Much like what Jesus Christ does, right? Dumped out the rocks and he said, get in. That's where the rubber meets the road. That is where faith becomes action. Right? It took a lot of faith, apparently too much faith, for anybody to be willing to get in the wheelbarrow. Because nobody did. Where was the faith of that shouting crowd, we believe, we believe, when it had to be put on the line? Their lives would have been put on the line. Now, i got to tell you, I'm not sure I would have gotten in that wheelbarrow. But there's a big difference with Jesus Christ. When you see what Jesus Christ does, did in your life, in my case, what I saw him do in my life by changing my heart, by understanding in his word what he has for me, not just here on earth, but what he has for me in his kingdom, then it changed. But there comes a point, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, there comes a point where he's going to dump the rocks out of the wheelbarrow and say, get in. And you're going to be faced with this choice. You're going to be faced with this choice of, do I really trust him? I could say I trust him. But when he says, I have something for you, you know what? I'm not even going to tell you what it is. But I have something for you. Do you trust me? Because remember what it says in Matthew 6.33, Seek first his kingdom, seek first his righteousness, it doesn't say, wait until you hear what he has for you first, evaluate that, and then see if you want to seek him. It doesn't say that, does it? Because that's not faith. 
Faith is something we do regardless of what we see. Right? So we're talking about faith this morning, and I'll tell you what. Satan has not wanted this message to be preached. The last two weeks, we've had, what, snowstorms. And driving here this morning, I thought, seriously? It wasn't supposed to start till this afternoon, and it's already snowing. You know what, though? I look out there now, and it's not snowing. That was to try and get people to turn back. And it's not for anything I'm going to say, but it's what the Holy Spirit is going to say through me. Because each one of us need this. This is the cornerstone of what Joan said, being sold out. You want to be sold out for Jesus Christ, you better learn the concept of faith. Because you're going to be tested in it. You're going to live it for the rest of your life. And it's going to be required of you for the rest of your life. But when you start to get the concept in your head that faith is a good thing, that not knowing is a good thing, that's where the Christian walk becomes exciting. If you were to tell me that today I would be standing before you preaching in a, in a church that God had me be a part of starting, <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't have believed you. Not even close. And not so much that we'd be in a new church. But what I wouldn't have believed is that I was the one preaching. That's what I wouldn't have believed. Because, see, I was convinced that God was going to use me in music the rest of my life. I was convinced that I was going to be a worship leader for the rest of my life. I love how the Lord just changes things just because just he can. And he says, okay, I see this person who wants to be sold out for me. And, you know, they've got their whole life mapped out. I'm going to change it up. Because the last thing God wants is for you to have your life mapped out. Do you understand that when you map out your life, you are not God? And so as much as you want to sprinkle him into what you're doing... That's all it is, is it's a sprinkle. It's not full immersion. We are to be fully immersed in our relationship with God, and we can't be if we're in the driver's seat. So that's what we're talking about today, is faith. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. So far in this series, you know, this is the fifth in the series. Remember, we started with, the introduction of real-world warfare. The fact that we are in a battle. We're in a battle we don't even see. But we can feel. We can sense. We know it's there, right? Then we started with the belt of truth. The belt of truth was the first piece of armor that we put on. The belt of truth being the Word of God. That is our foundation. That is what gives us support. Remember, we talked about the belt giving us support in our Christian walk. If we don't have the belt on, we have no support. We have no foundation to walk back to. Then we talked about the breastplate of righteousness. 
and how we end up being in our lives self-condemning because we see that we are not righteous. But that breastplate of righteousness was actually putting on the righteousness of Christ. Because His righteousness is perfect. It doesn't have to be our righteousness. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, that it doesn't. Because then we would all just, (laughs) we'd all be gone. It would just be frustrating. Okay? But we put on His righteousness. By the way, that's not just for our own use. Remember, that is a piece of armor. A piece of armor to fight the enemy. It's His righteousness. Remember? God's, Jesus Christ's righteousness. Then we talked, the, the last time we talked, we, we talked about the shoes made ready by peace. That before we step any direction that God is leading us to, to go, we have a peace. We put on those shoes with that peace that God gave us to step in that direction. And remember, when we, when we step in a direction that we know is His leading, then we have this whole series of promises that we could count on. And we know that it's not us. So, so this concept of being sold out, this concept of, of being everything for Jesus Christ, which, which means our relationship to Him, just wanting Him to do whatever He wants in our lives. Those shoes made ready by peace are an important concept. Don't take a step until He gives you that peace. Why? Because then you know He'll provide everything that you need. Now understand that that peace, and I I don't mean to go back over this a lot, but understand that that peace is not what we figure out in our head. We get peace through what? The belt of truth. The Word of God. The Word of God speaks to us, gives us peace. It's not about we have to pray for every little step that we do. Because the Bible gives us things to do automatically that we know are in His will. It says we're to read the Word of God. It says we're to pray. We don't need a peace to know that we need to pray. Okay? It says winning souls is wise. Matthew 28 says go out into all the world and spread the gospel, building disciples. We don't have to pray about that. Because it tells us to do that. That's the belt of truth. We can go back and we can understand that the Bible tells us to do that. That's not the peace I'm talking about. You have a peace in knowing the Word of God tells you to do certain things in your life. However, when you decide to sell out for Jesus Christ, there's one thing I'm going to promise you happens. You will have a period and probably periods throughout the rest of your life where you just don't know. Where you just don't know what he's trying to do. You just don't know what's going to happen. You just don't know what the next step is. You might see on the horizon and have a peace on the horizon of where God is taking you. Okay, but understand that that when he gives you a peace for that calling, he gave me a peace for being called to preach. He didn't tell me how it was going to happen. 
He didn't tell me all the steps in building this church. In fact, he specifically holds a lot of them back. And that can be really frustrating. It can really test our faith. But see, I know that horizon picture that he gave me a piece for. So then, because I know that, and I know that was of him, I can now claim these promises that he gives me in the belt of truth. I know 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, But my God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. What he's saying in that is, you see that picture on the horizon that I've already confirmed to you, that's the direction, that's where you need to go. He said, don't worry about it. Because I'll give you everything you need to get there. I'll give you everything you need even to go there. It'd be so easy if he would just blink and let us be there. (laughs) Right? But there's something substantially important that we would miss. And it's this concept of faith. Faith is not something that you just get. Faith is something that you build and that Christ builds in you. We're going to read a little later on, and I don't mean to jump ahead, but even Christ had to learn faith when he came as a man. It said that his faith was made perfect. It didn't say his faith was perfect when he was born. His faith was made perfect. He had to go through the same things you and I did. He had to go through the unknowing of the particulars of his Father's will. Even when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and was praying, Lord, if there be any way, any other way, help this this cup pass before me. Help me not to have to do it. Okay, that was Jesus Christ's faith being tested. Okay, it was his faith being in operation, knowing this certainly isn't my will, but God, I want your will. So I have faith that you're going to take care of me. Remember, as a man, he, he knew what was coming after death. He knew that he was taking on the sin of the world. So it was by faith in his father that that wouldn't be the end for him. He had faith in his father that his father would raise him from the dead. Right? Christ's faith was made perfect. So faith is an important thing. Let's turn again to Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to read verses 10 through 16. Again, going through the the pieces of armor that we've already done. But it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So there's our purpose for the armor right there. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So this battle is not something we see. The battle's not you and me. The battle's not other people that don't believe. We don't see the battle. 
That's why he's saying put on this spiritual armor. Verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, stand firm. Stand therefore, verse 14, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And then today's lesson, verse 16, And in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. What is faith? You know, we've talked about this thing, this thing you can't see but we're tested in. This thing that, that we don't fully understand, but yet it has to be one of the largest portions of our life as a Christian. So what is faith? Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. And you all know this verse, or you, you all know this chapter, I should say. This is called, often called the faith chapter. But Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The word assurance in the Greek is hypostasis. It means a setting or a place under, a foundation. Okay, we have confidence in this foundation. So in other words, the assurance of things hoped for means that we have confidence in this foundation being Christ. We have confidence in what he did in our lives. We have confidence that when he saved me, there was a significant change. It doesn't have to be outwardly, but there was a change inside. Okay? We have an assurance of what he did in our life. And then the word conviction in the Greek is elegos, which is the proof of evidence. Now, oftentimes we don't see this proof in regards to faith, except that we can know it's there. You you can't see Jesus, you can't see the Father, you can't see the Holy Spirit, but yet there's proof that it's there. A good example that you've heard before is the the wind. You can't see the wind, but you know it's there because you can feel it. You can see the effects of it. You see the trees blowing when the wind is happening, but yet you don't see the wind, right? The wind has to embody something for it to have an effect. You see clouds move. You can see the wind moving through the clouds because the wind has affected something physical that we could see. So we see proof of our faith in our own lives. If you let the Holy Spirit work in your life, you know by what He does in your life, that is the conviction, the proof of evidence. I know there have been times in my life where I look back and the Holy Spirit led. It wasn't me. It had nothing to do with me. That was proof to me that he was doing something in my life that was way beyond me. That was the faith. That was the, the 
conviction of things not seen. I don't see him physically coming, entering in me and taking over and doing what he wants to do because I release my will to him. I don't see that, but I have the conviction of knowing it's true because it happened. It happened because I had faith in the word of God that says it will happen. So that faith is an important part of it. Turn to Matthew 18. And you can keep your finger in in Hebrews because we're coming back to it. But Matthew 18 verses 1 through 4 talk about how we need to come to him and what our faith needs to be like. You know, what I thought of earlier in terms of... of uh, tell, me, tell me your son's name again. His first name? Matthew. Matthew. When, when Matthew was answering those things and, and saying that, what I thought was Jesus' words. You know, suffer the little children to come unto me. Don't hold them back. Don't hold them back. Why? Because their faith is what our faith needs to be. It's the little children, their faith, that should be examples to us. Have you ever looked at a little child or have you had a little child where, where they say some things and you know they've never experienced it, but they believe it? Oh my goodness, and try convincing them that it's not the case. <laughs> they have this childlike faith that is pure. And their faith knows something's going to happen or knows something is going to be. So that's what he's saying here we need to come as. Matthew 18 verse 1 says this, and we're going to read 1 through 4. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You could just imagine what they're hoping to hear. I hope I'm at least third, at least fourth. And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, Unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like a child, like this child, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So see, we got to get beyond ourselves. we got to get beyond ourselves, even in faith, knowing what he's going to do through us. We have to come to him believing that he will do something with the faith of a child. And, and what that means is that nothing gets in the way. Do you understand? Nothing gets in the way. When, when a child believes something, it takes a lot of convincing to tell them otherwise. Because they just believe it. And if they've been shown it, forget it. You're not going to convince them otherwise. Their faith is strong because it's pure. Their faith is strong not because of evidence, but because they believe in the thing that they believe in. No matter what that is. I mean, I mean, how many kids have been told there's a Santa Claus? No, mean to ruin anybody's thoughts. I'm, I'm hoping everybody here realizes there aren't. <laughs> I know, I know, sorry about that. But the point is, have you ever argued with a little child about something?